you are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts Todd Fox, Maddie Matt, and Gabby. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, and we are here live in studio, finally, for the first time, me and Gabby, uh, so it might sound a lot better, so uh, we want to uh, thank each and every one of us for listening in, but before we get into uh, how you can listen to us, I want to give a special shout out to some of our uh, listeners who've been very active and and communicating with us want to definitely give you guys a shout out. So shout out to um, Claire and Sherry from the UK, Vicky and Adam from Australia, and Gabby from Colorado. Thank you so much for uh, being some of our number one fans and and messaging us. And if you guys want a shout out too, all you gotta do is just message us, message us, and we'll give you a shout out. So thank you guys for all your support, and we really appreciate it. Now, with all that being said, let's get into the introduction. Uh, first of all, if you want to follow us, you can go on our Instagram and Facebook account. Just type in Grinding True Crime, and you can follow us there. Leave a comment. We get a chance. When we get a chance, we'll comment to you back, uh, whether it's positive or negative. But follow us on there. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And of course, for those listening to us outside the country. Keep listening to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80, that's T-O-D-D-F-O-X-80, and there you can get some merchandise, merchandise courtesy of Grinding True Crime. Also, listener's discretion is always advised because some of our stories do get into details and can be graphic, so listener's discretion is advised. And also, again, if you'd like to uh, leave a, a donation to our cause to help us to better our equipment or better our studio, you can leave a cash app, cash app donation to dollar sign grinding true crimes. So that's all the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, let's turn this over to Todd Fox as he breaks down the story for us today. Todd, you have the floor. Well, one, once more, I got to say thank you for coming to the studio because this is pretty awesome to have everyone in studio. I know, man. It feels good. It's welcome. It's good to be back, man. And we got the AC going. Oh, so, yes, it feels awesome. <laughs> <laughs> our own personal studios, by the way, guys. It's our own personal studio. Yes, because we uh, we used to roast in my garage before. Oh. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this one, this one, uh, we're going to be coming back to California. We've done quite a few uh, stories in California. This okay. is uh, Calchilla, California. And uh, Calchilla is a city uh, in Moderna County, California, which is pretty much smack dab in the middle of the state, but on the eastern side, closest to Arizona. Yeah, it's it's sort of like... <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's sort of like a fart in the wind, you know. If, <laughs> you know, if you don't, you don't get a whiff of it. You just, 
it's non-existent. I've heard of Coachella. Yeah, yeah. This is this is Chowchilla. Um, but it's a city of a population of about eighteen thousand, by the way. So it's wow. uh, it's actually got a pretty decent amount of people, and uh, city is mostly farm area. Um, it's got railroad tracks running through it. Um, a men's and women's prison. That's what it's kind of known for. Okay. Uh, Chowchilla is derived from an indigenous American Indian tribe called Chasula. <clears throat> I know I'm mispronouncing that. Okay. Uh, the town, if you look it up, basically, um, it, its history is they had a post office in 1912. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it sure was. And then the, uh, it was incorporated as a town in 1923. That's it. Oh, wow. That's all there is on the history, except this case. Th- this case put it on the map, literally. So uh, this is a weird, strange case that maybe you see in a movie, and and uh, you know, and it, we'll talk about how it came to be as well. But this this is a really really crazy case. Um, now we've all seen movies where there's been kidnappings, and especially there's been some movies that. Um, really frighten you over time because the kids that are involved uh, in those movies or you know, relate to your own, um, there's really not a good outcome in a lot of these, these mm-hmm. movies. And, and when, when kids either have been taken from taking, uh, you know, taking candy from, from strangers, uh, you know, abducted in plain sight, taken by certain parents, never seen again. This is what we all fear. And this is what happened to this small community. Ooh. Yeah, so this is a uh, we're going to get into to, uh, the, the literal meat and potatoes of this. So what happens usually when you send your kids to school? You know, you, you kind of trust them, right? The people watching. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And you, you kind of get the feeling that, you know, you drop them off at school. They're going to get returned home, especially if they're not walking home. If they're mm-hmm. getting a bus ride or or, you know, you're picking them up from school. You're pretty much thinking, you know, because obviously nowadays, um, you know, you have the issues of, uh, of school shootings. Yes, that's a fear when you leave your kid at school, especially in America. But uh, but normally, like I said, when you when you we have the option to pick them up from school or they're getting a ride home from school, things should work out right. Absolutely. So uh, this is this is 1976. Um, we're going to talk about somebody on here, and uh, the the name is Frank Ed Ray. Frank Ed Ray. Yes, Frank Ed Ray. He was born February 26, 1921. Frank's parents uh, would move to Couchilla, California when he was only four years old from LaGrange, California. So another small town. Um, they wanted their son to grow up with farm life and grow up around a lot of their friends that migrated down to uh, Couchilla. Okay. And, um, you know, he... He would uh, go to Chowchilla schools where he would graduate in ni- 1940 at the age of about 18, almost 19 years old. And uh, after high school, Ed had decisions to make whether to join the army or get a profession and move away to, to a bigger town or the big city. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed just couldn't see himself doing that. He loved the town of Couch- uh, Chowchilla. He, you know, uh, he liked the farm life. And, uh, you know, he wanted his own farm. He wanted to branch out, become his own man. And, uh, you know, he asked his dad for a loan and he bought a farm for himself at, at like 19, 20 years old. I wonder if he asked for a Donald Trump loan. <laughs> I don't know. Dollars. I don't think his pops had that kind of money. But, hey, man. <laughs> hey. Back then you could buy for so cheap. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
and uh, so he he basically got a lot a lot of land. Uh, he he started to get, bring in cattle, cows, uh, and then eventually started to grow corn. And he did this for about like five to ten years. But in that or ten years, he in that span of time, he was getting really known in the community as a young progressive kid that was, you know, really straightforward and a businessman and and really a, a pillar to the community. It reminds me of the chicken coop. It does, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the personalities are off, but. Yeah. Story. Dad helped him get his farm. Get his farm, yeah. But this one's different, though. This one's different. So uh, I'll give you that right now. No spoilers. Yeah, it has a twist. Uh-oh. So we're talking about Ed right here. And he's, again, he's doing his thing. Uh, he's very involved in, in the community. He likes to go hiking with people. He likes to, uh, you know, uh, do outdoor events for families and things like that. And he actually gives away food and, you know, like, uh, and, and he's even had, you know, when he butchers some of the cattle, gives the meat to families. So, oh, nice. So he's pretty, he's, yeah, he's pretty cool guy, cool guy, man. Um, <laughs> he likes to fish and everything else like that. So stand up guy. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you're, you're liking Ed, you know, and it's the 1950s now, early 1950s. And um, he wanted to do something else. He liked big tractors. He liked, uh, you know, the community. And uh, all of a sudden he he the farm life wasn't for him anymore he wanted to do something to give back and something he liked to do was drive and drive big things so he became a school bus driver okay Okay. yeah so in 1952 53 he became a Chowchilla or Chowchilla school district bus driver and for uh, Dairyland Elementary and he would basically work the same school he went to when he was a kid there's only that elementary and it was a high school too um, and what the weird thing about it, because this is such a small community, no one really moved away. Mm-hmm. A lot of the at this time now, like where he's pushing his 30s or 40s, you know, like he's uh, and, and getting into his yeah 40s and 50s. He's um, beginning to see the grandchildren of the friends he went, yeah, to, he school went to school with. with. They're go- third generation going wow. to their schools. Yeah. So they all know him. They love Ed. They say hi to him every morning. Good morning. They, you know, they have a lot of respect for him. He jokes with them. So how old is he now? About this time, 76. Let's see. He was born in 21. He's about 55. Okay. Yeah. So so he's yeah he's about up in there. And he's taking kids from the ages of 5 to 14. He doesn't have kids of his own. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So he's he's just he's enjoying the. Uh, My mind's running already. Yeah. You're wondering, <laughs> is he evil or is he good? <laughs> What do, you, what do you guys think so far? It's like, I got all these kids in my possession. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of Ducter. You're thinking of Ducter? Okay, okay. Well, let's... Right? Well, let's see where this one goes. Um, so we have a date, and it is uh, July 15th, 1976. And whenever you say a date, Todd... Something happens. Something happens. Yes. Uh, it's the second to last day of school... Um, Ed had 19 girls and seven boys on his big yellow bus traveling his usual route, headed to the first drop off of the afternoon. So he just picks these kids up. Uh, As he was driving down the road, he noticed a white van on the north end of the two lane highway headed out of the farmland, headed to one of these homes. The hazard lights were on and the hood was up. So Ed being the nice guy that he was. Said, hey, kids, hold on a second. I'm going to see if I could help this pedestrian out. He pulls over uh, to the uh, to the side of the road because the tr- the van is not off to the side of the road. 
and you know he may may need to push or something. And uh, so he puts the the the, uh, the bus in in gear, and all of a sudden, out of you know the rearview mirror, as he looks back, a second van pulls up, blocks him in from the back. Three guys jump out with guns. Oh crap! You see that one coming? Nope, <laughs> didn't see that one. Didn't see that one coming at all. Huh? Not at all. Uh, Ed immediately has said his heart stopped because he knew this was something of a life and death situation especially when he saw three men enter the bus with pantyhose over their head to disguise their look and guns nine millimeters in their hands whoa yeah one put a nine millimeter to ed's head and said get to the back of the bus and the one that the other one got in the driver's seat and then the other one was pointing a gun at all the other kids to where there was you know, the pantyhose have the two leggings yeah. or whatever like that. And he had it over his face. A little five-year-old girl thought he was the Easter bunny because it looked like the ears. But it was the legs. Yes. That's how innocent they That's were. That's how innocent they were. Yeah. Some kids but, were crying. Some kids were freaking out. And then he had the little five-year-old. Yeah. I mean, they're innocent. You know. But yeah. They didn't realize this that it was life a, and death. Exactly. So um, right away it got serious because one of the offenders you know, put the gun up in the air and said, sit down and shut up. I don't want to hear anything out of the kids. And so right there, the kids knew this wasn't a game. This wasn't a setup. And Ed was trying to get them all to calm down. How can you do that, though, man? Yeah. These are five and four. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bunch of kids. So what happened is the truck or the the bus took off. And, um, you know, at this point, he's just freaking out. He's trying to keep himself together. Ed is. And he's looking at the kids, and the kids look super worried. And there's a couple of, like, 14-year-old boys there that are, that are trying to also keep the kids calm. You know, so they're all trying to work together. Yeah. Um, so he basically takes the the bus to a canal area, a little, like, where the, the farm water comes in, mm-hmm. and wedges the bus in there. Then they order all the kids out. The uh, one of One of the guys keeps a gun on all the kids. The other two go back, grab the vans, pull them over there. And one by one, they split up the, the 26 kids, including Ed and put them in the back of these white vans that have no cushion. They're basically those, um, those, those like van- utility vans. Utility vans. Yeah. Like no, yeah. No seat belts, no, no seat nothing, belts, no a, windows, just a van, just two van, two white plain vans. They close the doors and then, uh, they, they drive off. So they lock the doors. Yeah. So it was all the setup. Yeah, it was, it was all set up. So they take off, and right there, Ed, he synchronizes his watch or looks at his time. He's like, okay, I'm going to see how long we go, and maybe I could figure out how many miles we went. So how far do you think they leave when they get in those vans? Or how long do you think they're on the road, I mean? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll probably say about, like, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Gabby? I'm going to say it's only around the corner, like five minutes. For those kids, you kind of wished it was. They were in the the back of those vans for 11 hours. What? So they left at 3.30 in the afternoon in those vans, and they didn't reach their destination until 2 in the morning. God! And this is driving with no... No nothing. No brakes, no food, no water. Motion sickness from being tossed around in the van. no seatbelt. Yeah, because you're taking dirt roads. Yeah, you're taking. You're, they're not hitting the highway. They're taking dirt roads and everything. 
they're so they're crap. going through all the back end of California, so Northern there's California. There's no way they could know where they're going. The yes, the kids were throwing up, in in uh, some of the little kids because of motion sickness, and the older kids were t- were trying to sing songs like they were singing BG song. They were they were trying to keep the kids keep positive, and it was what's kind of funny, but it's it's sad at the same time. But they were trying to get the the little ones on a like a positive you know outlook of things they were they started to sing the wheels on the bus go around or no no if you're happy and you know it clap your hands the little kids the little kids changed the lyrics to if you're sad and you know it clap your hands <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah yeah so they had to deal with that Dang, that's jacked up man yeah they drove for 11 hours off like again with no stopping, no nothing, no cushions. They were getting banged around in that those vans. How did that gas last 11 hours? I, I, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. And, and here's the thing. They went 11 hours and only traveled 200 miles. I don't know. You know Wait, what? That's, that yeah, they, no they, they were only 200 miles away from Ch- uh, Chachilla. Yeah. Wow. So they drove to t- like 2 in the morning. It takes me eight you know hours the, to the drive roads. to Ukiah, and that's over what three hundred miles. Have freeways though all over the place now. Yeah, back then in '76. That makes sense. And I mean, if they're taking back roads. That's gonna take even longer. Yeah, mountainous sense. terrain, mm-hmm. desert-like area. So they weren't exactly on concrete roads. Again, that, these kids were getting thrown around like ping pong yeah. balls. And then imagine all the vomit and everything else on there. It's, yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, this 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 uh this really sucked for them, um. So so his heart stopped when the van stopped. They approached this uh, quarry when they opened the back doors, and it's night out, you know. So like he he um, quarry is like one of those big industrial areas where the trucks come mm-hmm. and they chop up the rocks and make it into sand, or they resell it for like, you know, train stuff, you know, for to put under the railroad tracks and mm-hmm. stuff like that, other things like that. Okay. And um, it's super dark, and the only thing lighting up the area are the headlights of the vans. Oh, man, yeah. So at this point, again, Ed does not know. He's fearing for the children. He doesn't care about himself. He's telling them, um, look, take me. Don't harm the kids. You know, please let the kids go. Spare the kids, please. And they pretty much slap him upside the face with a gun. And, and they're like, they're like, no. You know, like, and then the, the kids rally around Ed like they're all upset. And, and then uh, they're like, just shut up. Just And so what they do is one keeps a gun on the kids. The other one go, like disappears for a while. The other one is writing down uh, the names of all the kids. He's having the kids state their full names. And then he's asking for an article of clothing, whether it's a wristband, whether it's a, p- a piece of the shirt, uh, an earring. He goes, he wants one thing from every kid. So as as he gets, he goes through all twenty six kids. He's got what he's got. He puts it in a big bag and has everything labeled. The other guy comes back and says, "Okay, let's go." So they keep the guns on the kids and they start walking them into the quarry, deeper into the quarry. It's real dark. Oh crap! Yeah. Yeah. So he's he starts moving them in, moving them in, and then to Ed's surprise, as they get into the middle of the quarry, there's this big ditch that's dug. And there's a trailer in there, and and it's like a like one of those big truck tractor mm-hmm. trailers. It's about forty foot long mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, they walk over this like little uh, ramp or whatever onto the top of the trailer. And there's a ladder going into the top of it. 
and he sends one by one each kid down, including Ed himself. There's a pipe, a ventilation pipe the size of about two inches wide that's sticking out the top of the... the, the, That's it. So after the last kid gets in, there's no explanation. The ladder's removed. The steel door put back on top, and... It gets completely dark. The kids start freaking out. Three of them pass out. The other ones start crying. Ed's tr- Ed's crying himself. Yeah. And all that's in that trailer are old, dirty mattresses of various shapes, two big jugs of water, a couple cups, and some like military rations of food. Oh. So that's all they have. That's all they have. God. So, as the they're not able to process what's going on exactly because again you just got kidnapped you've been on the road for 11 hours it's now three in the morning it's pitch dark it's pitch dark and then you've been slammed into this trailer and with various little things there's no flashlights it's pitch black now again because they closed the top how are they supposed to know where everything is exactly they've got a feel for everything and you know it's good and, and then what makes matters worse like they only have that one hole that's going up out of the, the top of the trailer, but it's at the very top. It's the ventilation. Ed starts to freak out even more because he hears a tractor and then dirt being piled on top of the trailer. They're, they're covering the trailer. And so Ed starts to think, is this trailer strong enough? It's an old trailer. This is a, like a 1950s trailer and it's 1976 now. So it's about 30 years old. And yeah, and will the box collapse? They're putting they're putting feet of dirt on top of the trailer, not just not just a little bit. So Ed's freaking out. They're all freaking out. A couple hours go by. The dirt, you know, the dirt's done, and it's just stunned quiet. The kids are freaking out. They're trying to you know figure out how, what to do and everything. A fourteen-year-old. Uh, let's see by the name of um, let me go over here because I, I got a little ahead of myself because I knew the story so <laughs> um, so a 14 year old by the name of Mike Miller he was the oldest boy in the group for some reason he had this like saying he said I'm not going to die today without at least trying to get out of here and because it was a couple hours that had gone by and it was just stunned silent so he tells his other friends, 14 years old, we need to start to figure out stuff. Let's start feeling around. They say they start feeling around for mattresses, and they're like, where was the door that we came out of, approximately? So they start taking the mattresses. The little kids start helping them, and they're starting to stack them. Like, let's make a stack to where we can climb to the top. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what they do. So they spend the rest of the night stacking mattresses, uh, trying to get leverage up there. They, they fall down a few times because the mattresses are different sizes. Yeah. So they have to figure out which ones will fit and play Tetris and get back up there again. Determined kid. Yeah. In the dark. In the dark. dark. Pitch black. Determined so kid. Yeah. So they're they're trying to do all this because, again, the guys left them no flashlights, no nothing like that. So they're, they're, they're stacking the stuff. They're trying to get up there. They finally get a, a, the mattresses to fit. And... You know, Mike Miller and a few of the other ones are trying to push on the door, and it's like impossible. It's like impossible. Some of the little kids start to find pieces of wood 
and a little, little, you know, off the off the truck that, you know, they were feeling around. They filled some old uh, frames. Mm-hmm. So Ed starts to break those frames apart. And he's like, let's try to use these to wedge and, and, and the door open, you know, like try to get a room to, to separate the door. You know, we got to figure out how to how to do this. So they're using those wood planks as they climb to the top. The little kids are pushing them up there. They're clapping for the big kids. The little kids are like, yeah, you could do it. You could do it. They're motivating the, the bigger yeah. kids to do it. So the bigger kids are up there trying to wedge the door. Ed climbs up there. He's trying to help them. He's trying to push on the door as they're trying to wedge it open with the wood planks. And they're just not getting too much movement at all. Nothing's moving. And they keep trying for hours. And just and to where now it's daytime. And the quarry that they're in and the area that they're in, it's the middle of summer. So you're talking about 100 oh, degrees man. outside. And then you're trapped into this unfinished at about 10 or 20 more degrees yes the kids are all sweating at this time and credit this though the little kids are telling the big kids to come down for a little bit to pour water on them wow. can you believe that wow That's so sad. yeah they're trying to keep their spirits going the little kids are now returning the favor wow yeah so the kids keep trying but then it's you know you got to think by now these these are all preteens and less and they've gone over 24 hours without eating they've been sweating they're exhausted exhausted, ed's ed's fighting heat exhaustion himself you know he's 55 years old so they're trying and they keep pushing another kid comes up there that's nine years old he gives it a good heave ho with all of them one more time and the door cracks open it's like quickly take another piece of wood to hold that and it's only about like an inch or so open and it's still daylight out there. It's like getting to be sunset because they've spent almost the whole day trying to get up there and get everything done. So they have a small mirror that one of the kids had. And they're like, you know, there's something on the door. Something's holding it up because they don't see it covered with dirt anymore. They could see like the outline of the sky. Mm-hmm. So he puts a mirror up there and he kind of, you know, trying to look through the little inch thing. And he sees that there's two batteries, tractor batteries on top of the metal thing that are about oh. at least a hundred pounds and they're sitting on top of that door so to prevent escape oh. yeah so now it's another thing to where you gotta you know you got the door wedged open you got it busted on the brackets but how are you supposed to lift those batteries yeah. so the kids are like okay we're gonna throw our backs into it they're, they're gonna try to get around that little opening by putting their backs and trying to like squat and then raise yeah and, and along with Ed's going to push, too. And so you're talking about four of the biggest kids they got there. And Ed are just, for about a good two hours, trying to give it a heave and a tr- hole to get that door up enough. I'm feeling them right now. I'm feeling <laughs> like, come on, man, do it. <laughs> man, I'm tensing up. <laughs> yeah, and, and these kids, again, they're getting motivation from the kids on the bottom. Like they're, they, they can't. They're so close, you know. So right when they're about to give up, Miller says, one last try. So they pushed really really hard and they got it up enough to where one of the nine-year-olds could fit he ran up the 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 thing ran up there squeezed through and got out and so they were expecting him to maybe just run to find somebody no he used all his strength and pulled those 100 pound tractor batteries off the top one by one that's dope and so right there they were able to lift the door and as they were doing that the back end of the trailer 
started to cave in from the dirt and the, and the, the weight. Yeah. It was already starting to cave in. So the aluminum was coming down. And Ed's like, we got to get out of here. Got to get here. So he climbed back down, started taking the small kids. And as uh, like a chain, they were uh, lifting the yeah. one small one kid small at a time at yeah. and, until they got all the kids up. Ed was the last one up. And the, and the kids helped him out. So Ed then began like he's like, OK, it's now nighttime again. They were in there 16 hours. Whole time trying to get out. No sleep, no nothing. Remember, these kids hadn't slept either. They'd been awake the entire time on the yeah. They, the adrenaline can really yeah carry so, you some ways, man. So these kids were spent. Jesus. So Ed makes a beeline to try to find the beginning of the quarry, and he as he comes up to the kids, there's just a night watchman. One, you know, it's at nighttime now, and the security guard's like surprised because he hears all this noise. He's looking out on the horizon. Uh-huh. It's coming from inside the quarry, and he turns around. He's like, "What's going on?" And all these kids are crying or coming up to him and he's like are you security guard he's like yeah and the, the guy didn't believe him at first but he's like why would i have all these kids i go you know the trailer's over there and he and so like he took the flashlight over there and he's like oh my god you know this is this is real and so security guard calls the local police and then right away the local police already know about the story because at the time we're almost 24 yeah. hours yeah the parents have been freaking out their kids have been gone over 24 hours the FBI is already involved. Oh, the crap. alcohol, tobacco, fire uh, is involved. Police statewide are on the bo- uh, bo- uh, got a bolo looking out. Be on the lookout. Look yeah. So this is a, already a huge case. Wow. But no, one, they had disappeared. They had no idea where they were. Yeah. So all of a sudden, within like 15 minutes, you, there's helicopters coming in. There's you know, the oh, news crap. report. The, I mean, the FBI is there. Everybody wow. just all shows up. And when the the FBI saw it, they were pissed. They were like, they were pissed. They were happy that the outcome happened the way it did but they were like these kids could have died yeah and we haven't heard anything from any of the abductors we don't we never would have known had you guys not gotten out of there so kudos to the kids and Ed for that yeah so why did they not know what was going on and so that that's the that's the whole that's the whole part um out of out of you know 27 hours after the kidnapping basically um Man. Yeah. What do you think so far about this? So far, well, happy that all the kids and Ed got out so far. I, I honestly didn't think they would. Mm-hmm. So happy ending to, well, not over yeah, yet, but I happy for that. I expect for that soon for them to be able to get exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of hours, but compared to what happens to other people, like, and then you have little tiny kids with you. Mm-hmm. That would have been a crucial way to die. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they most likely would have suffered a heat exhaustion, um, suffocation, starvation, because uh, that little pipe would not have been enough to be ventilation over yeah. days. So, um, so yeah, the FBI, um, their first clue was the biggest one, and that was like for the watchman not to know what was going on. You know, it had to be someone that had access to the quarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, mm-hmm. so right away they looked. Through the through the records, can you guess who? First of all, I'm gonna just say that's smart FBI thinking, right there. Yeah, yeah, they're that fast. Is, they're, they're, they're thinking on that. One. The cops are like, <laughs> cops are like, hey, it could have been anybody. <laughs> and the FBI's like, no, no, let us handle this. Let us handle this. You guys are we too hillbilly the- for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 were like, okay, let's go. I mean, they they went through the records like let like that. I'm gonna say it was just the the owner of the place. It was close. It was his son. The, it, son, of the, the son of the the quarry owner. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. They uh, they looked him up right away, and they're like, okay, this dude has financial problems. He's a little shady. Doesn't have any work right now. You know, he refuses to work with his dad. He doesn't. He's one of those guys that yeah, he could be living off his dad, but doesn't want to. And uh, he's struggling, and you know, he looks like a prime suspect. You know, they were looking at the other workers. They're like, no, the other workers are fine. Yeah. You know, the son looks like you know because obviously he would have unlimited access to the yeah. whole place. Is that why he took a piece of jewelry or anything from every kid, or was that something else for a cover up? Yeah, because what he wanted to do was he wanted to be like, okay, um, I have this kid, and if you don't believe me, here's this from mm. him. Yeah. So you, Exactly. So his name is Frederick Newhall Woods the Fourth. He was just twenty-four years old. Whoa. Twenty-four Not years so old. That desperate already. That desperate. And he enlisted his friends that he went to high school with, uh, Richard and James Stonefield, twenty-six and twenty-three years old. So they were youngsters. Wow. Yeah. So they have been stalking him or they just picked a random bus? Uh they had been stalking. They, they, they pretty much had been practicing on how to do this. Yeah. yeah. They probably knew he was a nice guy, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this thing turned into a national story because at the time, I mean, nobody knew. I mean, the parents were camping out at the sheriff's station in Fresno because Fresno took over the case. Um, there was uh, the FBI was there, the news reporters. I mean, it was it was national. I mean, nobody had any answers. The the mayor, uh, the governor of California actually got involved too and was like, "We're trying our best. We're, we got our best resources out there. We're watching the highways. They had helicopters on the freeways." Had they found the bus already? No, they they didn't find the bus till they found the um, the kids, and then Ed told them that it was in a canal not too far from the area mm. where they got kidnapped, and that's when they found the bus. And they're like, "Oh crap! Okay, yeah, yeah, everything's coming together." Yeah, but it only took two days for them to move in, swoop in, and get. The kidnappers. So only two days? Only two days because they had to build the case, and then right away they, they knew, okay, these were the three guys. They didn't try running? No, no, they actually uh, they were about to. They were trying to get out of, but again, they didn't get no money. So they didn't have yeah. no money. They couldn't really run too far. They were just hiding out. It's just shocking. Like, if it became a public story and they escaped, you would think they'd try to run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But again, these guys weren't the sharpest. T- uh, Don't tools sound like it either. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they found out about this. Uh, and and it, here's the thing, too, um, was the fact that they figured, um, okay, by stealing children, children are most vulnerable. You know, like like as far as like they're, they're going to listen. Mm-hmm. They're, they won't be too hard to subdue. Uh, you know, um, they're easy to scare, and then also like you're gonna get the most money out of them. They're they're thinking, man, we could get millions out of these kids. Yeah, because the parent will do anything it takes for to their kids. Yeah. Absolutely. So so their only problem was again, this is pre cell phone. This is obviously you know 1976. There's only so many landlines out in that area, right? So from the time that they buried them, they were trying to call the police. They were trying to call the local officials. And all the lines were were uh, were locked up with with parents. Wow! And, and and onlookers, the media, they had no chance of getting through to and to to get their um, ransom stuff out yeah. there. And they even were like, "Well, should we mail stuff in like the next day or two? You know, because we're not get, we can't get through on the phone calls." And by the time that they were ready to to write the letter and drop it off at the police Damn. station or whatever, they saw on the news they already were found. 
And so they're like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time they were figuring out an escape route, oh, crap. Here late. comes John Law, dude. They were screwed. They were done. Um, so they they were thinking that, you know, they had all this wrapped up. But the children, you know, they were arrested right away. Um, so it was t- it was too late. So all three pled guilty to kidnapping and various charges of child endangerment. Uh, you know, yielding a weapon against attempted my- murder. Well, they they tried but didn't get that surprise. Come on, That's man! Stupid. Yeah. If they had died there, they would have murdered a lot of them. Oh yeah, I- I'm pretty sure even back then, because that's back then when California used to execute. I'm pretty sure they would have got executed oh, over yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. If, if one, if just one of those kids died. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. Why couldn't they have that charge against them? Because nobody died technically. Yeah, that's why it's attempted. Yeah. Murder. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they got away with it. <laughs> yeah, because they were trying to say that they, you know, I, I mean, they did have good lawyers because. I was about to say, did, did dad's money help? Unfortunately, like you've said on other stories. The families helped out. What the hell? The, the kids did some really scummy things, and the parents helped out. Not only do they do this, okay, which is already bad enough, in your property, in your business, where you could have taken the fall, mm-hmm. but then you're going to go and stick up for them? Yes. They still got... Some parents really love their kids. Oh, crap. Yep. I don't care how much love you have for your kids. Something that inhumane, I could not love my kids like that. I'm not saying I can't love them. I would not stand by them. Send them to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Give them life. So what? What did um? What, what? What do you think they got as far as sentencing? I don't know. Since you said the dad's helping, the way, you're the way you said, I'm, I'm feeling disappointed. <laughs> Fifteen years. Fifteen. Okay. I'm gonna say they all didn't get the same amount, and so I feel like maybe the helpers went against the guy. And got probation. Mm. Only he got sentenced. You'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Thirty. They they got all life. What? All. All three got life. Good. So they were able to throw. But there's a twist. Don't tell me. One was paroled in 2012. He got out. out, Which was one of the brothers. James got uh, released. Then his brother Richard in 2015 got released. And this was 1976? This was 1976. So that's a total, let's see, of, I know I'm killing it, about almost 40 years they did in prison. So they they were, what, in the late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, uh, about 60s something around there. Yeah. The main guy. The main guy. Now, here is also another twist. Frederick, the ringleader, because it was proven that he was a ringleader, has served up until this point 46 years. But was paroled April 2nd of this year. However, however, the governor, Newscomb, and a few others here, uh, politicians in the Northern California area, grew up listening to that story and were appalled that the other two had gotten out prior. And since this dude was a ringleader, even though he was paroled by the the, uh, judicial board of that uh, prison, they overturned it. And right now, his attorneys are fighting the, the state's attorneys for his parole and saying it's unconstitutional. Uh, but that's the big fight as of today. And they actually go back to a court in two weeks. Wow. So he's still fighting he's for still his fighting parole. For yep. To this day. 
I don't think the other two should have gotten out because you do something that heinous and humane. Like I, I get it, you know we, you know forgive and forget or stuff like that, but not, not to parents, that. Yeah, you know what you were doing, and yeah. the fact that you try to murder them—I don't care what they said—that was attempted murder. Now most of the kids are still alive to this day, mm-hmm. and uh, I think one passed away. But out of the 20, uh, 26. But here's the thing that that has happened since then too. Um, those kids had returned every year for the parole, you know, to to fight against it, to testify against all three, and they did again against Frederick. Now he says he wouldn't hurt a fly. His lawyer says that, and everything else like that. Nope. Yeah, but they're tr- <laughs> he's they're trying to prove a point that yeah, hey, you know, he's gonna be um, he should be released. He's seventy years old. He's done his time. This, this, and that. But the kids keep stating. And which they've proven that over the years, and some have had it longer than 25 years, PTSD, of course. trauma, nightmares, anxiety, uh, just all these things have come back to them that's hurt their life because they've been continually traumatized by that terrible almost two days worth of captivity and yeah. fight. So um, they've testified multiple times and, uh, you know, it is what it is. They didn't accept their testimony in the first two guys, but it seems to be going a long way with at least a ringleader to this day. I hope he stays there for life. I hope so too. I hope so too, man. Because to me, it's it's just as much as if you killed the kid because you've given them trauma. What a rest of their life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is, and, and we don't do too many stories with happy endings. But this one did at least have a happy, sappy type ending. I mean, I know that, you know, they were able to survive. All the kids survived. Ed survived. Um, the guys went to jail. Hopefully, Frederick stays in jail for the rest of his life. The other two should have, too. Uh, yeah, the other two should have, too. But they're out there leading, you know, productive lives or whatever. They're able to be on the outside, which sucks. Um, but Ed went on to get a uh, the governor's award for heroism. So he got that uh, as a, and he also got the California School District, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, Employee of the, of the Year. Sweet. So he was recognized by the entire state of California. Um, he had a very nice pension, you know, like oh, well, once he retired. <laughs> oh, I bet he yeah, did. He sure did. Uh, he was beloved. Yeah, he stayed local in Chowchilla, never moved again. Uh, you know, uh, the, the people loved him around there. And uh, the kids would have reunions with him over the years. And uh, when he was on his deathbed and he had to be put in a nurse home uh, around the age of 91, the final few months of his life, which was a testimony to him, all the kids who he saved brought their kids and their grandkids to say goodbye to him and to spend oh, time with man. him. That's... So he passed away in 2012. Well, he lived a long life. He, lived he, a long he sure life, did. Man. But he was a superhero to all those kids. Man. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah who knows? And Mike Miller, too, was uh, that little 14-year-old. He was honored, too. He, he was honored, too, because he didn't want to give up. You know, he led the fight. So, I mean, imagine. I mean, when all that, I mean, you've seen these movies or stuff like that happens. or It starts like a horror film. Like, how are these kids going to survive? Maybe one or two get out. They all made it. That would be a, I wonder if there's a movie based on that. That would be an interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, there was some that, like, there was some uh, that this movie was, um, the guys actually read a couple books. I wrote it on here somewhere that um, the guys who started this crap, 
they had read a book or two uh or the the uh seen a movie that or the book was the day the children disappeared that's where they that was in their uh, high school library they actually it was an alfred hitchcock uh, book and they read it and that's where they got the idea frederick got the idea to do the kidnapping mm. so i know they've probably done a movie or two about something similar to this mm. but for this to happen in real life and this is a story that not too many people know about never heard of it yeah and this, never heard of cow chilla <laughs> yeah i know me too chow chilla but but yeah this was a um this was a story that if maybe three of those kids or two of those kids or even one of those kids die it's probably a story that we know about in the true crime community a lot more than Absolutely. usual yeah because i wouldn't have been shocked if even like the little five-year-old mm-hmm. would have died just in that amount of time yeah I mean, it was just amazing how, again, they were able to survive all at once. You know what I mean? Like, like he got them out of there. The kids' determination, hours upon hours of being stuck in a. Yeah, being selfless. A kid in fear can run for his life. Oh, absolutely. Nine year old Yeah, he was. He was told to find somebody else, and he selflessly, like you said, pulled as hard as he could. Once he got that first battery off, he's like, "Oh, I'm getting the second one off." Oh yeah. And he got the second one off. The door came up, and they all came out. I can see, I can see Adelaide. Yeah, I can see yeah. her doing that. Yeah, the oldest one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the oldest one. Yeah, taking charge. Taking huh? charge, trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of that story? I. It makes me mad, makes me mad <laughs> for the fact that the kids had to go through that, and you know, like you said, the PTSD um, that they have to suffer through that. Yeah. Um, but I will say, it's it's good to know that they escaped. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to know that there was somewhat of a happy ending. I hate the fact that uh, two of the idiots were out, but, you know. No castrations for me this time, but he does deserve to rot. Yeah, they do deserve to rot. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, like you said, two of them are out in the outside living their their lives, so. Yeah, and maybe they have changed. Who knows? But uh, you shouldn't have done that in the first place. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's That's not good. And we'll post pictures on the page what it looked like inside. I have pictures of what it looked inside the uh, trailer, also what uh, how the trailer was buried, and then I also have pictures of the scumbags who did it, and then also the picture of uh, Ed and the kids together. Sweet, mm-hmm. that's sweet. This, this... I'm glad nobody died. I'm glad no one died either. I can't say that for the next couple stories. <laughs> we got a lot of death coming in the next couple stories. Well, audience, get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a feel good, just in between. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is the first time we've had a story where you know no victim died. You you had like one or two yeah. where no victim died. Yeah. yeah, we've had to put a buffer in between all the death and carnage. Mm. So, yeah, but not like this. Not <laughs> yeah. like this. This one was totally happy. Yeah, yeah. this one was totally happy. Had a sappy ending. Well, thank you, Todd, mm-hmm. for breaking down that story. And this is our show. Um, we want to thank you guys for listening in. And um, we'll cut it short here. So with all that being said, I want to let you guys know once again where you can find us. Go to our Instagram and Facebook page. Type in Grinding True Crime Pod. I'm sorry. Type in Grinding True Crimes. <laughs> and there you can follow us. <laughs> if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And for those listening to us outside of the country, continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to RedBubble.com. Type in Top Fox 80 for merchandise. 
and that is all. So with all that being said, this is your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby Gabby. And we are signing off. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? And listen to my show and watch Oprah's reruns. <laughs> <laughs>